0: You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. As we began our study in Mark, we looked at the idea of authority, Jesus' authority. In Mark chapter 1, we see how Jesus called his apostles and immediately, without hesitation, they got up out of their boats and they followed. Why? Because of his authority. Because of they recognize something different about him. And then he goes into the synagogue. And he preaches and teaches as one who has authority, different from the other religious leaders of the day. And even in their midst, in that very day, there's a demon-possessed man and Jesus casts out the demon. And the people wonder, who is this? Wow. This is authority like we have never seen before. we talked about that last week. But as we get into chapter 2, the idea of authority comes up again. And Jesus is in a house. He's teaching. He has become very popular overnight, skyrocketing success. People can't even get into the building where he's at. They They can't get into the house where he's at. So, friends carry a man on a stretcher who is paralyzed, and they climb up onto the roof. They open up the roof, which in those days and that building styles uh, would have been a job, but that's how roofs were designed, so uh, they're not like they're tearing up properly necessarily, but they open up the roof, and they lower the man down right in front of Jesus, who's preaching and teaching to those gathered around, and Jesus does something strange. Now we expect, in a, we, and this is just Mark chapter two, but already we built up some expectations and we anticipate, okay, well, Jesus is going to perform a miracle, but that's not where he starts. He sees the faith of the friends and he looks at the paralyzed man and he says, your sins are forgiven. Chapter 2, verse 6. Now some of the experts in the law were sitting there turning these things over in their minds. Why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who has the authority to forgive sins? Now immediately when Jesus realized in his spirit that they were contemplating such thoughts, he said to them, Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, take your stretcher, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, stand up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately the man stood up, took his stretcher, and went out in front of them all. They were all amazed. Just like chapter one, the response is amazement. They were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So the question that Mark invites us into is, where does Jesus' authority stop? Authorities come up in chapter one, it comes up now in chapter two, and we are... Put in the perspective a little bit of these experts in the law, these religious experts, these teachers, these preachers, these people that have devoted their lives to the worship of Israel's God, to the word, to the study of the Old Testament. And if anybody knows anything about scripture, it's these guys. And they're sitting there and they're listening to this new rabbi who's come on the scene, and he's pretty impressive. As we see in chapter one, he. He gets an immediate following. He's teaching and preaching with authority that they've never quite seen before. And he's even driving out demons. Where does this authority, how far does it go? And Jesus looks at the man, looks at the friends, and in the eyes of the scribes and the experts in the law, he oversteps his authority. He goes too far. Oh, you can do good things. You can impress people, but forgive sins. And they're thinking to themselves, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That is an amazing question. And Mark is setting this up for an amazing answer. It's, a, it's a, not a bad question. And sometimes we see the teachers of the law and the experts and the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders, we see them in the gospel accounts As having unfair questions or trying to trap Jesus. And here, I don't, we're not there yet. We're gonna get there, but we're not there yet. This is an honest question. And it's a question, honestly, I would have arisen had I been there. Wait a second, what did he say? I mean, he's done some cool stuff, but did I just hear that right? He says, Your sins are forgiven. Well, I'm not, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. And that's exactly what these experts in law were saying. Wait a second, this, this goes too far. We've been impressed with his authority, but now he's stretching. That was their thinking. And they asked the question that Mark invites us to ask with them. He says, who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, Jesus says, which is easier To tell this man, your sins are forgiven? Or to tell this man, stand up, walk, take your mat, and go home? And as a show of how one can be indicative of the other, (laughs) how his authority is proven in miracle, and that authority then extends beyond just the miracle, he says, so you know that I do have this authority, that I can forgive sins, he says, stand up, go home. And he stands up in the midst of them all and he walks out and the jaws drop and they're amazed. Jesus didn't just forgive sins, he backed it up. And he said specifically, so you may know that I do have this authority. Here's something no one else can say. Stand up, take your mat, and go home, which proves, which lends itself to showing that I do have the authority to say your sins are forgiven. And, and so the question resonates again. Well, wait a second. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, God alone. This is opening us up to the idea of Jesus is more than just a man. He is God alone. He represents and he shows us and he embodies God alone. He is the son of God, the incarnate one. In verse 23, at the end of the chapter, there's another objection to Jesus's authority. Jesus was going through the grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples began to pick some heads of wheat as they made their way. So the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is against the law on the Sabbath? He that is Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he had and he and his companions were hungry? How he entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the sacred bread, which is against the law for any but the priest to eat,
1: and also gave it to his companions.
0: He said, Don't you know your old testament stories? That you're nitpicking over this little minute part of the law, which I mean, the law is significant, but Jesus says there's more important things at stake. And David's a good example of that. Remember whenever he staved off starvation by eating what only the priests were allowed to eat and he was no priest? Here's a clue, guys. It's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, to the objectors, to those that focused on religion so much. He said, here's a clue. You know what religion's about? It's not about rules, it's about people. You know what God cares about? God doesn't, doesn't care about rules. He cares about people. And then he makes this amazing claim, again, that it implies authority. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. For this reason, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Sabbath was an important command. One of the big Ten. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. The third commandment. And who gave that commandment? God himself spoke from heaven, giving the Ten Commandments. And then Moses, you know, putting them on the tablets. And Moses breaking the tablets. And the more tablets being fashioned. And I mean, these were the core governing laws and commands and instructions The core words of God to his people it was their preamble of the Constitution or their Bill of Rights or however we might compare it. Jesus is saying, I am Lord over that command. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Well, who's, who can say that? God alone. First answer to the question raised at the beginning of the chapter. Jesus is saying he has this authority that only God alone has because he is God alone. And we can see why maybe they're having trouble swallowing this pill and why they would say things like, he blasphemes. You can't say that. You're just a man. And Jesus is trying to get them to catch up to the idea of through these miracles. No, I'm not just a man. I am Lord of the Sabbath. I have authority to forgive sins because he embodies the very divine nature of God. Of all the authority that Jesus holds, maybe the most amazing one is his authority over sin. That's amazing, his authority to forgive sin, and he also is not brought down by the authority-stealing effects of sin. Let's go way back to the first time sin is even mentioned in the Bible. That the word, the first time the word is used, is the story of Cain and Abel. The Lord said to Cain, "Why are you angry? And why is your expression downcast? Is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not do what is right, sin—this big word—shows up." Sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. And we know Cain gave in to that sin. He murdered his brother Abel, and the story of the downward spiral of humanity continued. But notice that word dominate. It desires to dominate you. Sin wants the authority. The authority belongs to God. God has authority. But whenever we go against that authority, whenever we say, God, hear what you're saying, and what Cain said, basically, I, I don't care. I'm angry and I'm mad, and I'm going to have my way. I'm going to get what I get and what I deserve. And Cain, Abel's going to get what I am. How we justify our actions. And in the moment of heated emotion, we can make anything okay. And Cain is doing just that. And God's saying, no, Cain, stop. Don't you see that my authority is the better way? You're going to give in to authority of something else. And that's what sin does. Sin rejects the authority of God. And we think that, all right, well now I'm the one in authority, but really it diminishes our authority. Uh, We become slaves to sin. It dominates us. That's exactly what Paul says. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And because we've got grace, should we just sin even more? That means we've got more grace, and grace is a good thing, so it works out for everybody. And Paul's response is, absolutely not. Do you not know that if you present yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? And then it's kind of a <laughs> redundant statement. Uh, well, of course, if you obey somebody, well, that means you obey them. Yes, that's what the word obey means. Uh, and Paul is saying, don't you know that if you obey somebody, you're making them your master? Whenever somebody tells you to do something, if you say, OK, then you are submitting to their authority. And he says, we got two choices here. Either you submit, you obey sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. You've got a master. You've got to choose which master it is. And we like to think, oh, I'm my own master. And Paul says, you're just lying to yourself. Cain thought he was his own master, but really he was dominated by sin. He rejected God's authority, and by doing so, he held on to the authority of what was wrong. He held on to the authority of what was flawed and broken. He replaced God's authority with something else. And Paul says... Every time that we sin, we we acknowledge the authority of that sin, but God wants us to acknowledge the authority of what is right, of what is good, of His way, of His righteousness. Submitting to obedience to God, not eating the fruit, not killing our brother. That there is a better way, and God has tried to get us to take that better way all along, but... We've taken sin, and what Jesus does is he comes on and says, You don't have to take the way of sin anymore. Jesus has authority over sin, and so what Jesus can say is, You are no longer dominated by sin. Sin no longer has power over you. I release you of sin's power. He tells this paralytic laying on his mat, Your sins are forgiven, you're free. You no longer have sin as a master. You can return to the one who has ultimate authority, God. And of course, by exhibiting the power over sin to forgive it, Jesus is showing he is God. He is God made flesh. He is incarnate. He holds the power of the divine will of the divine authority to forgive. Power that I did not have that you do not have. We can forgive a wrong committed against us, but we cannot wipe the slate clean of their transgressions. Only God can do that. So again, it's a good question by these experts in the law. Wait a second, only God can forgive. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And Jesus says, watch this, you're forgiven. Now, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus shows that he has authority over sin. This thing that would rob, of, rob Jesus of authority and rob us of our authority as being made in the image of God and being you know, his children. It, sin steals all that. And, and, and this sets us up, obviously, for the cross and the resurrection. And how, how does God handle How does the the one with authority handle those who would undermine his authority? Most kings, most rulers, most people in authority punish it. Would stamp it out, get rid of it. And sometimes in scripture we see a God that brings Punishment that brings consequences, that brings judgment against the people that reject His authority, as any king would. But always there's grace, and more grace, and more grace. And when God Himself shows up on the scene, He comes not to judge, but to save. He comes not to condemn, but to forgive. And... What that does is that lets out all the air and the tire of sin. He sticks the knife knife in sin, or as Colossians tells us, chapter 2, verse 13, and even though you were dead in your transgressions, dead in your sin, sin was your master, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. He has destroyed what was against us, a certificate of indebtedness. And sin saying, I dominate you and I own you and you belong to me now. And and that, that, that seal that sin had upon us, we're told it's been destroyed. He has destroyed what was against us, a certificate of indebtedness expressed in decrees opposed to us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He stuck the knife, he stuck the nail in it. And now sin is powerless. How do you defeat sin? God shows us that the most overwhelming way to defeat sin is to offer forgiveness. And that is crazy. Crazy. When someone would rebel against authority and when someone rebelled against the authority of a king, well, that that calls for the swiftest judgment and execution of that judgment. But God does something beautiful. When we rebel against his authority, God even comes down to earth showing he still has that authority well, what about sin? What are you going to do with sin? It's where we're headed. Mark's given us a little bit of a teaser here in chapter 2, but ultimately, Jesus came to forgive. And the good news is that he's the one who can forgive. Anybody else says you're forgiven, it's just words. Jesus shows it's not just words with him. When he forgives, it's real. And I hope we take that in. I hope I take that in. Because we can doubt, am I really forgiven? As surely as this man stands up, takes his mat and walks out of that door, and the people are amazed, as surely as that happened, Jesus' forgiveness of us is real. Those words ring true. And if we surrender to Him and follow Him and rely on Him, His forgiveness is waiting and it's permanent and real forgiveness. We can know because He has the authority to forgive. And of course, He even suffered and died to secure that forgiveness. And it's all bound up in this authority that He is God Himself. Anybody else who tried to do it would fail, but Jesus himself carries with him the full authority of God because he is God. He is the answer to the question. He is the one who can and does forgive sins. And I can look at the long list of sins in my life and even the ones that I struggle with now and know that I'll keep struggling with Tomorrow, Jesus looked at me laying crippled on my mat, unable to help myself, and says, Your sins are forgiven. Be free of them. Stand up, walk away from them, leave them behind. I've got them. That's the good news of Jesus Christ.